Take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13 as we look at God's Word together. You know, I'm learning a lot as I go along in the parenting role. Some of you, you ever learned a lot in that parenting role? One of the things that I'm starting to understand is that you can have the same children raised in the same household with the same influences, with the same wonderful father, (laughs) and each one be totally different. Have you ever recognized that before? I mean, it seems like all of the same influences, the same environment, the the same counsel, and yet somehow you can find two totally different visions, or in my case, four totally different visions. It's amazing how one of us can come at our walk with the Lord in one way, and one can come in another way, not only in our physical families, our biological families, but also in our spiritual family, in the church itself, that many of us can have had some of the same influences, grown up in some of the same circumstances, and yet we can have two totally different visions. When you look at Genesis 13, you'll see two individuals that have had some of the same influences. They've been through some of the same things. Now, certainly there is uniqueness to each one, But overall, you'll see how they will display totally different visions, radically, starkly different, and in their walk with the Lord. I want to show you that this morning as we look at Genesis chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. It says, Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him to the south, or to the Negev, as some of your translations may say. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. So let me reconnect you with this story. Remember, God in Genesis chapter 12 had given this great promise to Abram. He had said to him, I want you to leave everything that you know, all of your relationships, and I'm going to lead you to a land. I'm going to show you a land that I am going to give you. And Abram started out, and he got to Canaan, and you'll remember what occurred. There at Canaan, he experienced famine. Now think of this, coming into the promised land, and all of a sudden, you experience difficulties. I mean, famine brings difficulties. And here they are experiencing famine. So what do they do? Well, they do the only thing that seems logical. They go down to Egypt because there in Egypt with the Nile and its supply, you will find great abundance. Even in the times of famine, Egypt was like a refuge. So Abram and his family went down to Egypt. I don't think God ever intended for that trip. God never intended for him to go down. And you'll remember the detour and the deception that they found in Egypt. Well, this is a marvelous truth beginning in Genesis 13. Marvelous truth. 
that even though you take a detour and even though you can experience deception in your life, listen to me, God always brings about a way and he always extends an invitation to come back into fellowship. Get this. It says that Abram and all that he has, they come back up from Egypt and they return to the exact place where they had experienced this beginning with God. They come back to the place where they can worship at this altar that they had built. They come back to the place. I say again, our marvelous truth, isn't it? That we can take all the different turns in our lives. We can go in separate ways from what God would intend for us. And thankfully, God will provide a way back. Isn't it this simple? That if we've walked away from God, what, what do we have to do? Simply turn and walk back to God. Isn't it that simple? That God would call us and say, hey, you can come back to me and I am ready and willing to welcome you back to the fellowship. And Abram returns and he comes back to that place and he worships. And I really do believe that there's a change in Abram. I think there's a change. I think God has dealt with him in Egypt, bringing him to Canaan. He has brought about a transformation, a change. Now, I'm not telling you Abram's perfect yet, okay? I don't know anybody that's perfect. If you think you are, ra- no, don't raise your hand, please. There's no one that's perfect. Abram has not reached a state of perfection, but he is growing in his faith. And you see it in the vision that he will display, especially as it is contrast with the vision of his nephew, Lot. Notice in verse 5, the story continues and says, Lot also, who went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt together in the land. So get this. They come back to Canaan. Abram has responded in worship. But before you know it, there is a strife that develops. There's a conflict in the family between Abram and his nephew Lot, or at least between their herdsmen, which spills out into the relationship between these two. Now, this is for those of us who have families that have issues, okay? Those of you that are have perfect families, probably the point oh 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 one percent you may not can identify with this. But when you look at the patriarchs, you'll find often conflict within the family. It could be sibling rivalry. It could be, in this case, just between an uncle and his nephew, almost like an adopted son that he had. But you will find conflict all throughout the story of the patriarchs, all throughout the story of the family. You will find conflict and strife. And here, the strife is over possessions and how to support the wealth that had been accumulated. Now, two points. One, there are some that would say, that Abram should never have accumulated the wealth he did in Egypt. Now, I understand Abram was going to 
become a wealthy man. I, I do believe that as I look at Scripture. I believe God was going to take care of him and there was going to be some substance that Abram would have. But some would, some would say that resource or those resources should not have been made or found in Egypt. Well, you could argue about that. Some would say that Lot should never have been with Abram. Why is that? Genesis chapter 12. Remember when Abram was to leave? He was to leave everything that he had known. He was to leave every relationship. And some people, even this day, argue that Lot should have never been with Abram. And here, God was just kind of continuing the separating aspect of Abram's life and removing Lot. There's strife. There's conflict. And I don't care what the reason is. I don't care all of the debates that we might have about it. May we just, may we just simply acknowledge the fact that conflict is not fun, especially family conflict. Family conflict can be some of the most difficult moments we face in our lives. And especially when it's over resources. And possessions. Now, I know some of you are sitting here today. Again, you put, place yourself in that 0.00001% of families that never have issues. But may I say to you that we must all be careful in our families because it can happen so quickly. All of us, how many of us in this place have not felt such conflict before and especially even over possessions. Do you know how many times I as a pastor have had to help a family walk through the death of a loved one? Yes, for support and guidance with that family, but also to help them as they navigated all the different ins and outs and logistics, even resources themselves. Even in my extended family, I have witnessed those moments where possessions became so important that they drove a wedge between relationships. I love the way you see Abram respond here, especially in his relationship with Lot. I want you to see that in those moments of strife and conflict, it says in verse 8, So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. For we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I'll go to the right. And if you go to the right, then I'll go to the left. I want you to get these two visions. Abram valued people. Lot valued things. Write that down. Think about it for a moment. Abram valued people. Lot, as you read through this story, you see how he values things. What does Abram do? Well, Warren Wiersbe says he plays the part of a peacemaker. A peacemaker. Now, it's difficult to play that role sometimes, isn't it? Not many of us have peacemaking in our uh, makeup. Not many of us do that. I mean, when something was going on at school, okay, there you were. You were watching this fight that broke out. How many of you said, 
hold on just a minute. I'm going to step in here. I'm going to stop this. How many of you did that? Well, at least we don't have many liars here. Most of us didn't do that. What did we do? We were like, hit him harder. Who are you for? I'm for him. I'm for that. Or that's the reason we have so many people that join around to see a fight, right? It's not to take the initiative to step in and, and change the dynamic. It is rather to witness what is happening and perhaps cheer people on. Most of us are not peacemakers at heart. But Abram said, I value people more than I do things. And we're fussing about all this and we're having all this conflict and all this strife over possessions and over whether or not we can make sure that our material is taken care of, our livestock is fed. He said, it shouldn't be like this. He said, let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen. And I love this statement he makes. He says, for we are brethren. Now, certainly Lot is his nephew. But what Abram says is, we're family. We're family and we're not going to allow this strife and this conflict over things to destroy us. We are family. Don't you love that perspective? Don't you love this vision? People meaning more than things? Abram reaches out to Lot in a peacemaking kind of way. He takes the initiative, which is hard again for some of us to do. Many of us are passive, and we allow things just to take their own way. But he steps up and he says, something has to be done. We are brethren. And he values people more than he values things. Now listen, Abram could have claimed his right and he could have claimed his authority. Abram was older. He probably had mentored Lot in some way. He was certainly the head of the family at this point, if you want to call it that. And Abram could have looked at him and said, Lot, let me tell you, brother, I can pull rank on you any day. And I'm the one that's been promised. You know, God spoke to me. God promised me. And God said this was my land. And let me tell you, Lot, you better go find you a place to dwell because you are not dwelling here with me and you're not having anything of this property. Sounds like somebody in your family. Abram, he didn't do that. He could have claimed his rights but he did not. He looked toward his responsibility. You, we live in a culture today that really loves to claim rights. You know, this is my right to do this. This is my right to do that. Um, even in the church's life, a lot of times when you have issues and conflict, it is because somebody insists upon certain rights. But God has called us to have responsibility. And God has called us to be responsible. Hey, wouldn't you love to hear this one day in business meeting? I mean, think about this. Now, we have some good business meetings around here, do we not? Please say amen. You're going to make me nervous about the next one. We have some good business meetings, very cordial. We try to talk about things, but 
wonderful business. I, I've been in some that weren't quite so, so good. Especially when people would stand demanding their right. Whether it was to speak or to make themselves known. Their right. I've often prayed, one of these days we're going to have a business meeting where somebody will stand up and say, Oh, I want you to know that I have a responsibility. And just to hear them say that. Abram here, he does not insist upon his rights, but he insists upon his responsibility because he knows family. He knows relationships. He knows that is much more important than anything My friends, all the stuff of this world, all the things that we see around us, all these things, all these things will pass away. But the relationships that God gives us, especially our family relationships, those are relationships, those are things that will remain. Too many people value things and use people. But Abram said, I'll value people and I'll use the things to benefit those people. And you see his values. Lot, you don't see him stepping up. I mean, Lot being the younger man, you don't see anything about his statement to Abram. That Abram, no, let me, let me do something very selfless here. And let me just kind of step out of the picture. Lot doesn't do that. Lot's kind of like, okay, you got a deal, Abram. Because get this. In this vision, in this radically different vision, you see how Abram valued people, but you see how Abram trusted the Lord while Lot trusted the world. Abram came up with this proposal. It's not the whole land before you. Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I'll go to the right. And if you go to the right, then I'll take the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Zor. Notice the way they choose here. Abram says, Lot, you do whatever it's necessary. You go one way and I'll go the other. Says Lot looks up and he sees the, he sees this area of the Jordan Valley. And he notices, he notices how well watered it is. Water everywhere. Now, why is that significant? Why is that significant? Because water in this area is like gold. It, it, it's like an ocean of lemon icebox pies. <laughs> because if you have water, you can sustain life. And he looks and he sees all the water out there. And, and it looks like the garden. We'll get back to that in a moment. But here he says it's, it's almost like a return to the Garden of Eden. It's, it's a return down to Egypt. It's so good and it so promises blessing. Lot, Lot says, verse 11, I choose the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east. And they separated from each other. So Lot looks with his physical eyes 
He says, that's the place I want to go. Because that's the promise of blessing. That's the promise of life. And again, not much concern for Abram here. Not much concern for his family. Rather, Lot says, I'm going to trust the world to take care of me. Now, remember what God had said to Abram, right? God had said to Abram, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse. He had said, I'm going to take care of you. But instead of Lot believing what God said to Abram, Lot was like, I'm just going to believe my eyes. And I'm going to follow what looks to be successful. And I'm going down. And I'm going to trust the world to take care of me. Abram trusted God. And that's the reason he could make the choice. That's the reason he could allow Lot to choose in such a way, right? I mean, was, was this not putting himself in jeopardy? I mean, Abram putting himself in jeopardy? I mean, for him to say, hey, Lot, you go ahead and choose whatever you want to, and then I'm going to do the other. For some people, that would be a risk not worth taking. I mean, what if you end up on the other side with no water? But friends, Abram didn't believe that would happen. Abram believed. Now get this, get this. Abram believed that whatever Lot chose, God was going to take care of him. That's the reason he, was, he allowed Lot to choose in such a way. Because Abram's faith was in God. Now, remember down in Egypt, Abram made all kinds of mistakes right? You could say he was faithless in many ways, but now he's returned to the fellowship of God and in his life, faith has returned and now you see him growing in his faith. Doesn't that encourage you and encourage me? I, I, I think it does. I mean, there are days when we just mess up. Well, me and Bruce and Ted, there are days we all mess up, right? But thankfully, thankfully, God gives us an opportunity and he grows our faith. And guess what? There are days that we can show such trust. And Abram, he's been through the difficult day, but now Abram is trusting God. And he says, I'm going to believe whatever it is that God is going to take care of me. Again, Lot, trust in the world. Return to the garden. I think it's interesting that here the writer mentions the garden. Because how did Eve, how did she make her decision? She looked at the fruit. It looked good. Sounded good. Especially what Satan was telling her. Everything looked good. Be taken care of. She'd have more knowledge. Let's eat the fruit. The same kind of terminology is used here of Lot. Look at the plain. Look how well watered it is. Look how I'll be taken care of. Look how I will prosper. That's what I'm choosing. A trust in the world. I say to you that we have to be careful in our lives because so many of us, if we were honest... We trust the world to take care of our resources rather than God to take care of our resources. Now, I'm not saying it's 
wrong to have resources. I'm not saying that it's wrong to see God provide through his own way, even in this earth, this world. But we should be careful that we do not put our trust in the way the world provides and in the way God provides. Let's say God has spoken to you. And he has said, I want you to, I want you to cut back in some of your hours. I want you to spend more time with your family. I want you to be there in this way. Maybe God said that. I'm not, let, let's just say you know that God told you that. But then the boss comes back. And what does the boss do? The boss says, hey, instead of cutting back, if you would add more, then I'll give you a hefty bonus and raise. Well, did God really say? I'm not against raises. Did you hear me say that, finance committee? <laughs> not against raises. Not against God taking care of you. But I'm saying to you, what does God say that we should do in certain instances? Will we allow him to provide or will we allow the world? Because this is what I see in the different visions. Abram pursued holiness. Lot pursued happiness. Now listen to what I want to say this morning on this. Abram pursued what was right and what was holy. Lot pursued what was willing, what he thought would make him happy. Now, I'm not against happiness. Did you hear me say that? I think too many of our churches and too many of us as believers, sometimes we do not show the joy of the Lord in our lives. So I'm not against joy, I'm not against happiness, but I'm saying to you that when you are holy, that is where you are happy. When God works on your holiness, he will work on your happiness. But yet Lot, he was more concerned about happiness, joy, prosperity, success. And it says this of him in verse 12, Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. You've heard that city before. You recognize the wickedness that we have heard about there in Sodom. And notice in verse 13 it says, But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. In other words, their reputation had already gone out. And people knew what to find there in that area. It was a place of sinfulness. Lot... He didn't really care. He, he didn't really care because you know why? His herds would be watered. And as long as his herds were watered and everything was prosperous and he was happy, why worry about the sinfulness of the neighbors? Now, if it were not for the New Testament, we probably would not know for sure that Lot was a believer. But according to what Peter says to us, Lot was a believer. It's hard to figure that out by this passage, isn't it? I mean, it really is hard to figure out that Lot is a believer. Not many of us would look at this and say, oh, Lot is a believer. 
But I want you to see how Lot had so misunderstood and so misrepresented God's work and God's will for his life that he was willing to sell out, if you will, for happiness, for prosperity. I say to you that true happiness for the believer comes through true holiness. Have you ever thought of the commandments, for example? Most of the time we think of the Ten Commandments and we hear them. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Most of us in this place think, oh no, here we go again. They're trying to take our joy away from us. Do you know God never intended to take joy away from his people when he gave the commandments? He actually wanted them to experience joy. Get this. You don't steal, you're probably going to be more joyful in life. You don't commit adultery, I guarantee you you're going to be more joyful in life. You only have one God where you're not trying to please everybody and everything else but only one God, you're going to have more joy in your life. Because God knows what he's doing. And he knows if he establishes holiness within you and within me, we will experience happiness or joy. See, Lot, again, Lot was one who was given toward the world and toward prosperity and whatever he wanted. But Abram, look at verse 14. Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I'll make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, that your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. And then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, and, and, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. What did God do? God took care of Abram. Abram pursued what was right. He said, I'm not going to live. I'm, I'm going to do whatever else, and I'm going to go to Hebron. Hebron, according to some translations, means something like fellowship. Now, I think you've got to be careful about reading certain things within the names of the Old Testament, but it's a whole lot different going toward fellowship than going toward Sodom. Right? Here's Abram in fellowship with God. And God says, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. As a matter of fact, Abram, I want you to get up and I want you to start a, a fitness plan. I want you to walk down and back and all the way around. I want you to run the land. I want you to look at the land because this is your land. Love the way he says this. He says, you trusted me to take care of you. You have valued people. You have sought holiness, and I'm going to take care of you. And here's Abel. He comes down. What does he do again? What did I tell you about these patriarchs? They are altar-building people. Build another altar. Worship God. Experience the fellowship. See, these are two radically different visions. These are two different visions that we see in our world today. Go out into our world and our culture and what do we see? People who value things. People who rely upon the world. 
people who are searching for their own happiness. But my friends, God has called us to value people. To value people. To trust God for our resources. And to pursue holiness with every ounce of our being. And to know that when we do these things, God in his own way will take care of us, his people. May we adopt the vision of Abram. And may we be obedient. And may we follow and serve him as we reflect that vision to those we come in contact with. May God challenge us this day. Let's pray. Father, we do pause this morning. And Lord, I pray. I pray that that you would break down the spiritual barriers that are here this morning. And Father, I pray that you would allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us. And Lord, even those of us in this place who may technically qualify as believers just as Lot, Father, there's so many of us who are following the world around and taking our instructions and our resources from it. God, convict us this morning. Help us to return to you and believe in you and trust in you. Father, for those of us who've wandered away in our own paths, Lord, provide us this morning the straight way back to you as we come to repent. Lord, we love you. We confess you. We pray it now in Jesus' name.